0: Thanks for uh, being here. Uh, This is our First Baptist Church coffee house. And uh, let me just start with talking to you a little bit about the format, just really quickly. Um, We'll spend some time in here just basically having a conversation with Lee and Laura Ashley. Uh, So, this is Lee Harper. And uh, Lee and I were college roommates, I mentioned this morning, and one of my best friends in the world. And then another great friend of mine from college is Laura Ashley. We served on, on the church staff together for a little while down in Mobile and went to college together. Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, we were all friends before they got married. So, um, so anyway, so we just appreciate them so much. Uh, thank you all for being here. So, we're going to just talk a little bit about missions and, and the mission of God and their call to ministry. And then, what we'll do afterward is um, we'll all go together down to the fellowship hall and we'll have some dessert and some coffee together and uh, we'll enjoy that together and some fellowship. And then we'll let you guys ask questions down there. So if y'all want to ask questions, you can ask questions down there in Fellowship Hall. So so that's kind of the basic format. Um, And uh, um, the other thing is they'll have prayer cards there as well downstairs. And so you can grab a prayer card to remember to pray for them. So that's a really important thing. And then also, I'll encourage you, um, you'll also see some opportunities for Reach Week this week. If you, if you don't already know of something to do to help reach others this week, then, then we'll have opportunities for you to sign up for Reach Week. And then you'll also see uh, three missions opportunities that you can look into. Uh, the first is uh, a mission trip to Honduras that Lydia Sewell, our children's director, is going to be leading uh, at spring break of next year. So you can sign up if you're interested in going to Honduras. And that's a medical mission and other things as well, right, Lydia? Because Lydia is not a... MD. So, you know, you can you don't have to be a med- medical person to go on that. So, Lydia, that, that trip, the dates are set for that. Uh, then also, we've got two vision trips. So um, these would be trips where we go and we sort of uh, get a feel for an area and determine for the future whether we want to partner with this area or not. So we'll be working on that. The first will be to Portland, Oregon. Uh, as of right now, the tentative date for that is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend in January of next year. So that's coming up pretty soon, and we'll, we'll, if you're interested in that, you can sign up, and we'll have an interest meeting for that soon, for that vision trip, and then another vision trip's to Europe, uh, and that'll be probably late summer of next year as well, where we'll go, actually, uh, as of right now, we'll go to Ghent, Belgium, where the Harpers will be, and then we're also going to go to uh, Pescatora, Italy on, on that trip, maybe spend a couple of, two or three nights at each of those places, and um, and I've got a friend who's an IMB missionary there at Pescatara trying to plant a church in Italy. So that'll give us an opportunity to kind of get a feel for what things are going on, to help those folks out, encourage those missionaries in those places, and then get set up to send trips to those places in the future. So that gives us some really good missions opportunities that are coming up down the pike. So you'll have opportunities to sign up for those things. If, now listen, if you sign up for a Europe vision trip, Uh, That's not saying you've got to go, right? That just means you might be interested in going, so feel free to sign up for that. So so let me pray for us, and we'll get started here talking with the Harpers tonight. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ, and we thank you for his gospel. And Lord, we pray that you would um, just be glorified in what we do here tonight. Uh, Lord, move among us. And Lord, we thank you so much for our missionaries who are going to the field. And Lord, we just pray that you'll... um, use us that are here back in the states to bless them and lord i pray that we'll learn and god i pray that you'll move in our hearts that we that we'll do what we can do to reach the nations as well it's in jesus name we pray amen amen all right so uh lee and laura ashley let's just start with this let's just start with just tell us a little bit about yourselves just kind of where you're from not everybody went to college with you so uh la why don't you kick it off tell us where you're from and what so, your favorite color is okay.
1: I grew up in Andalusia, Alabama, and um, became a follower of Jesus at a young age of about 10, was baptized at First Baptist in Andalusia, and really up until, you know, through middle school and high school years, um, learned as much as I could, but really when I got in college is when I really grasped what the gospel was and how it affected every part of my life, from life decisions to how I spent my time to what I was compassionate about. And then in college is when I met Lee, and we got married right after our, well, my last semester of college, but uh, I guess my favorite color would be blue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mine too, Laura Ashley. So we went to the same college and have the same favorite color, so that's pretty awesome. All right, Lee.
2: Um, I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama, and um, I became a follower of Jesus when I was about 13 years old, so I really understood the gospel, grew up in church, um, but grew up kind of in a, uh, a church that was pretty legalistic and just had a... I understand that the gospel is of um, do certain things to make God happy. Mm. Um, and that's what will make you right with God. But the problem with that is that I, could, I didn't, couldn't do enough good things. Um, and so there's, I had a great fear of God in that. But I uh, had a youth pastor come alongside of me when I shared that with him say, um, you know, Lee, God knows you can't be good enough. Um, and that's why he sent Jesus to live a perfect life in your place. Um, it's then that I really feel like I, I trusted in Jesus, can follow Him. Jesus uh, began to feel God leading into ministry throughout high school with that youth pastor discipling me, and headed to the University of Mobile um, to study theology. Um, that's where, obviously, we met, met Laura Ashley and um, Les are to here today.
0: That's right. I will just make a quick plug. That means then that your CP dollars helped fund all of our education at University of Mobile. They went to Southeastern Seminary, your CP dollars helped there. And now they're going to the mission field through the IMB, and our CP dollars help there. So, that you know, we talk sometimes that, you know, we'll be in budget discussions here pretty soon, and when we look at those that CP line, sometimes, I'll be the first to admit, sometimes that hurts. Sorry, Gene, but, you know, sometimes that CP line hurts a little bit, but that shows you the kind of impact that's being made through, through our giving. So that's one thing I love about having IMB missionaries. I say this all the time. Um, when IMB missionaries come home, I love our non-IMB missionaries too, but when they come home, they have to spend a lot of time fundraising. Our, our, our IMB missionaries get to spend a lot of time enjoying family, and when they go to local churches, rather than saying, would you please give more, they get to say thank you, and so and so we, we praise the Lord for that. Um, well, tonight, our, our title of this coffee house tonight is The Mission of God, and and uh, that might just sound like, you know, we talk about missions a lot, but when we phrase it like that, mission of God, that's really rooted in a theological idea. There's a word that, that, that theologians and others use called missio dei, the mission of God. And uh, that's something I want us to think about a lot as a church, is not just, hey, what is our mission as a church, but let's make sure our mission as a church and our lives as church members line up with God's mission. We're participating with God in what He's trying to accomplish. So why don't you guys uh, just kind of give us a little bit of an idea of what we mean when we talk about the Missio Dei or the mission of God.
2: So when I think about the mission of God, I mean I, the, the easiest way that I can sum it up is, is God's mission is to glorify himself by making disciples of all nations. Hmm. All right, I mean, it's just real simple. It, it starts with God glorifying himself. That's God's ultimate goal um, is to glorify himself, to make himself big. I mean, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. When, when he creates Adam and Eve, he, he's creating um, this man and this woman who are to live over his creation and are to worship him by taking care of the garden. And they're walking in the garden with him. And he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. So really what God's telling Adam and Eve there is, I want you to fill my good creation with worshipers mm. that glorify me. And of course we know that you know with that being God's vision back in Genesis chapter 1, Really quickly, you get to Genesis chapter 3, and sin enters the world, and sin messes everything up. It messes up God's good creation and distorts man's relationship with God, man's relationship with each other, um, and all these things. And so um, it, it, it puts, I don't know what the right word is, but God's mission, something happens there with God's mission. God's mission doesn't change, but it has this obstacle sin mm. in the way of it being fulfilled, the world being full of worshipers. But God, being a graceful, loving God, doesn't give up on his good creation. Um, he doesn't just say, I'm done with y'all, y'all rebelled against me. No, he keeps his mission in mind and keeps pursuing that mission to glorify himself by filling the world with disciples or worshipers. Um, we see that through the Old Testament where him um, choosing um, Abraham to begin the people of Israel, where he tells them, you know, your descendants are going to be as many as the stars in the sky— And continuing throughout the Old Testament, even in Israel's rebellion, God continues to have this mission of glorifying himself. And he offers grace and forgiveness to them because that is what his goal is, to glorify himself by filling the world with worshipers. Um, And then we see Jesus come onto the scene. And Jesus comes in and, and does everything that's necessary for sins to be forgiven so that we can be made right with God, so that we can live lives that are glorifying to him. Um, through his life, death, and resurrection. And then in Matthew 28, right, when Jesus is about to leave, he gives this commission, right, this commission to his disciples to go out throughout the world and make disciples of him, to fill the world with disciples. Hmm. And so that's what the church's mission is, is our mission and God's mission is the same, to fill the world with worshipers from every nation, every tribe, every tongue. And, um, and so that is kind of God's mission. And he see them, he, the mechanism that he used to make that happen um, are not just like missionaries. It's the church. Hmm. It's not people going out on the cell. It's the church that has a mission. Um, and his, the church's mission is to, make, is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. And, of course, the great news is, is um, not only are we not alone on this mission, because it's not just our mission, it's God's mission. He gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do this. But we also see, as we look at the book of Revelation, how the story ends. Hmm. And the story ends with the world, the new heavens and new earth, being filled with worshipers of God. And so really what you see in the beginning is the picture of what we see and we also see in the end and that's God's mission to have this the whole world full of worshipers to his glory to make them look big
1: yeah and I would just add Jesus tells us as I as the Father sent me, I have sent you mm. so God has always been a missional God he's always been ascending God and it can seem so far off like to say that, to talk about the mission of God. like It can seem lofty and big, but praise the Lord, he uses like he chooses to use us. Yes. Like, he chooses to use weak, frail humans to be vessels to follow Jesus' example as mm-hmm. the Father has sent me, so now I'm sending you I'm sending you on this mission.
0: It seems to me like the very word missionary is a distinctively Christian concept. I mean, we don't have a lot of in other words, all the other missionaries in the world are from, are from some form and breed of Christianity. Most other religions are a come-and-see sort of missions enterprise where we're a go-and-tell. I think that's reflective of what God's doing. We talked a little bit at lunch, Laura, actually, about how that vision of who God is, His glory. And Lee just talked about how God's heart and missions is His own glory. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. We t- talked about missions exist because worship doesn't. So this idea that God is glorious... And that we are restless until we find our hope and rest in him. God's not a megalomaniac, but he wants us to be satisfied and the what wants us to be joyful in the way we find those things is only in him. So, Lord Ashley, you know, you, you kind of alluded to that just now, that this idea that like it can seem sort of out there, you know, the bigness and the vastness of it. But at the same time, you recognize that that's exactly why y'all are going. So can you tell me kind of how? God's glory as the engine of missions and the engine of going became real to you and sort of what that means to you?
1: Yeah, I think it starts... This wasn't on the
0: list. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it starts with beholding who God is. And when we behold how great and how merciful um, and how redemptive God is, it, it really isn't a question of not to go. Right. Not to to go across the street or go across the world. And so I think it starts with a proper view of who God is, and then the proper view comes to a proper response to go and tell. Um, and so I think for for us personally, the call of going overseas and doing missions um, wasn't like some amazing <laughs> uh Written in our cereal or or in the clouds kind of a experience, it was just through beholding who God was and seeing, why why wouldn't we go? Mm. Um, why wouldn't we tell so that other can, others can behold who our God is?
0: Yeah, T- give me your thoughts kind of on that idea i I like this idea that the, the need is so great in the world, right that we have to determine why we wouldn't go, not why we would. Do you agree with that, Lee, and maybe elaborate on that a little bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. That's where I mean, that's where, where we were at. And, and like, for me, um, being a missionary or anything like that was never on my radar. Uh, we were talking about it earlier that yeah. the only other time the, only time, the first time I ever thought about being a missionary is when my girlfriend broke up with me in college. And I came back to our dorm room, and I sat down on the couch, and I said, well, I guess I'm going to be a missionary because pastor can't be single at least that was like my (laughs) mind instead of of mine at the time and and so and so that's you know it wasn't like this lofty goal of mine to be a missionary it's just as i began to see god's grace that he has shown me and i began to understand my sinfulness and his love and his grace um our prayer became god whatever you tell us to do we're going to do Hmm. um whatever that is, that is what we're going to do, because you are worthy of every ounce, every second of my life, you are worthy of it, Um, and so if that means being a pastor somewhere, then I will be a pastor for the rest of my life, and have great joy knowing it's where you want me to be, Um, but if that is where, if you wanting me to go, I will go, Uh, wherever you call me to go, wherever you call us to go, um, and when I think about, you know, I think about this, and I think about, um, the amount obviously that there's a need here in all of our cities even in the bible, you know the bible belt There's just a great need but because the need around the world is just immense mm-hmm. um, this morning. I talked about the sea We're going to Ghent with 300,000 people and, and 300 believers and that's great lostness, but But in this in the country of turkey right now 99.9% of the people who live in turkey claim to be uh, muslims that means in a, this whole country, um, there are less than I think I want to say it was less than three thousand followers of Jesus. And so, as you look at the lostness and the depth of lostness in the world, it is just unbelievable uh, that people don't know Him. So when you see that great lostness, you see that great need. That's where I think it came to uh, one of the things that came to us was like, if we can go, God, if You want us to go, we will go. Mm-hmm. But at the same time there is great need here if he wants to stay we'll stay but the need is just so immense and i think it's, it's so it's so immense it's hard almost to wrap our minds around how how dark the darkness is um, which
1: i think helps thinking about because we can hear statistics all day and we can say well yeah that's we need to go like there needs to be more people to tell people about jesus and in, in turkey or in countries around the world but i think what flipped it for us was realizing these aren't just numbers. These aren't just statistics. These are souls. These are image bearers that God has created to worship him. Yeah. And so I think when we grasp that, when God revealed that to us and broke us over that, that these are men, women, and children that will live their whole lives never knowing the true gospel. Uh, I mean, we, we were in for. <laughs> so that's
0: Gent, Belgium, 300,000 people. There are 100,000 people in Etowah County that means comparably, if there was one church in our whole county that was smaller than ours, that's yeah. the number of believers there would be in town. So, you know, we think about it. We've got 86, the bishops here right now, the <laughs> EBA, we've got 86 Southern Baptist churches for 100,000 people. That doesn't count all the other denominations, right? And so, and, and so we recognize that. I think, how many total churches, Craig, something like 350 in Etowah County? Two, 210, two hundred and ten, two two hundred and ten churches for a hundred thousand people here in what maybe two evangelical churches. Yeah,
2: there are two Baptist churches that we know of in in Ghent.
0: Two Baptist churches in Ghent. So you start to get an idea then. And Ghent Ghent's doing well compared to some sit, right. some places in the world. Yeah, and I mean I think
2: one of the uh, that prayer that I talked about that God I'll do whatever you tell me to do and go wherever you tell me to go is is really just like the motto of our lives since we've been married, really. And and that's really where our heart for missions came from, is we had a church that had a heart for missions, and that was huge. Hearing um, the pastor preach about it and just seeing it in people's lives every day was huge in our lives um, to grab a hold of that. Um, But one simple thing that we did, and I think it's something that anybody can do, really, it is something that anybody can do that really just God used immensely in our call, was we were challenged to get a map of the world, actually we were given a map of the world um and we were challenged to pray for a different country in the world before we went to sleep at night hmm. and so me and lord actually kind of we, kinda, we was like that's something easy that we can do so we put that map up on our bedroom um wall and we got a sharpie and we got a book called operation world um and it's a book if you it's an awesome book. If you don't have it, get on Amazon tonight and order Operation World. It's a book of all the countries in the world with different ways you can pray for each and every country wow. and information about those countries. Excellent book. So we got that map, got that book, and just began to pray. And then every night we get a Sharpie and mark off that country. And as we were praying that, our first prayer was God, of course, send laborers out, right? Send people to this place. Um, to share the gospel. We see these numbers and we see uh, these are people, send people there. And our prayer slowly became, um, you know, God, um, you know, if you want us to go, we'll go. Until one night, uh, I looked at Laura Ashley and just said, Laura Ashley, we're supposed to go. And then our prayer changed to, God, if you want us to go here, we will go. Hmm. And so it was. Was that lit- before
0: y'all went to London?
2: This was before we went London. This is when we were right at the beginning of our time in seminary. And that's really where. God began um, that call. If you want to call it a call to mission, was at, and it wasn't like Laura she said. It was just praying for the nations, and seeing the seeing the need, and also seeing God realizing God's great love for these people really fueled that in us.
0: Mm. Mm. What um? What are the challenges you think you've been in London, and London's one of the great metropolitan cities in the world. It um, seems like there's a, a little more uniqueness to the lostness in Ghent, maybe than there is in, in London. So, what are some of the challenges for missions and for what you can be doing in a secular city like uh, like Ghent?
2: I mean, I think one of the, the huge things is that people have kind of moved on from not from just religion in general. So, the people we were working with in London were were Muslims mostly, um, and so that was we had a great starting point with that. You know, some people ask me, ask us. You know, was it hard to share the gospel with Muslims? And the answer is no. It was easy to share the gospel with Muslims because you have a starting point with God. They want to talk about God. Hmm. Um, and I, I mean, it's far easier. It's been far. It was far easier for me to share the gospel in London than it was for me to share the gospel in Andalusia, Alabama. Um, and so we had that starting point. But I think in in Ghent, one of the major challenges is going to be is you don't have that starting point um, for many of the The people in Ghent. um, It's not that they grew up Christians and they said, we don't want anything to do with that. It's that they grew up agnostic at best, atheistic, and they just have never been a follower of Jesus or never known anything about being a follower of Jesus. And so you have this, you're starting from scratch for the most part, or you're fighting against stereotypes and things like that. So there's not going to be that starting point in conversation um, with the people there. Um, there's very, just post-Christian would be a word, um, just kind of moved on for that. That has nothing for us. And so starting with that.
0: So when you think about secular Europe, Ghent is exempl- I mean, right, a like, perfect and, example of secular Europe. Because you
2: even think about London. London has great evangelical churches um, in the city, big evangelical churches. Don't get me wrong, there's great lostness among the British, but there are still great churches there. In a place like Ghent and in Belgium in general, um, there are no, um, you know, places where you look and see there God is doing something great among followers of Jesus. There.
0: And there's even an evangelical movement in the Church of England still as right, well. Right, exactly. You've got people like Jim Packer and people like that right. coming out of that absolutely tradition. You know, one thing that struck me as we've talked last night, today, and just over the years, but you know, it's something I've heard a lot and think about a lot. But it, you guys probably live it out better than anyone I've known. You talked about how you're going to Belgium to do what you'd be doing if you were here. Help me understand what you mean by that, Laura Ashley. I think you say that the most. Just give us an idea of what it looked like. You guys were really missionaries in Andalusia. I mean, Lee served the church. I mean, you all served the church as student ministry, uh, student pastor. But at the same time, you guys were doing a lot of this stuff, or at least trying to, in Andalusia. So, what does that look like?
1: Can I tell a story? Yeah, so I think, that's the best
0: kind of thing.
1: <laughs> I think a big part of that is asking daily, like, Lord, who do you want me to look for today? Or who are you placing in my path today for me to, to show them Jesus? And it was actually a prayer I had prayed uh, before a Walmart run of all places. And so I packed up the kids to go to Walmart. We had made it through without any temper tantrums or, you know, on the ground crying over not getting something, and we were actually, we were heading for the door. It was a a very successful trip, and Holland Grace, our oldest, had said, I need to go to the bathroom. I said, okay, so we kind of detoured and went to the bathroom, and as I'm waiting in line for the bathroom, this is in Andalusia, Walmart, that I saw this beautiful Indian woman, and um, because of our time in London, I think because of being around a lot of immigrants, course, I was like, she's not from here. I'm going to go talk to her. So, you know, I run up, and I'm talking 90 to nothing, and then she's like, no English, no English. I was like, okay. So, I just stand there awkwardly, you know, our buggies (laughs) side by side, but then a few seconds later, her daughter, who was about my age, um, came out of the bathroom, and she spoke English, and we just began just a chit-chat conversation. Where are you from? How did you end up in Andalusia? This is your daughter. How old is she? Just small conversation. But we exchanged numbers and Facebook profile names. And a couple Sundays later, she is at our church in the back row. So I run up to her after the service. I'm so glad you're here. And um, Would you like to come over? You and your family come over and eat dinner with us this week. And they did, her husband and her uh, her mother and their daughter. And they came over and ate tacos just around our table. And we, we really had not talked about any kind of spiritual matters yet but it was around our table eating tacos that we just asked them so you know what do you believe and she began to tell us that she was a practicing Hindu and um, her husband was really open and said I just I don't think I believe in anything like I don't really know what I believe and it was around our table that we got to share the gospel with them they didn't trust in Jesus that night but we began a relationship where I actually began to study the Bible with her about every Saturday, about 6 o'clock in the mornings before she went to work at Subway. And um, through lots of praying and her just reading the scriptures for herself, she came to trust in Jesus. And it all started in a Walmart (laughs) bathroom line and then around a table and then opening the Bible together that she trusted in Jesus. Then her husband placed his, his faith in her, he placed his life in Jesus' hands, and now they were in a small group with us, and we shared meals, and they're active, and and it, it wasn't anything that we did. And so I think that's—it's just seeing how God is working, seeing the people that God places around you. I mean, that's what we're going to be doing in Ghent. Yeah. Who, who has God placed in front of me today in the school drop-off line? Or who has God placed in front of me today in this market? How can I— share them about Jesus. share with them about jesus and invite them into my life i feel
0: like for most of us like meeting a hindu at walmart and leading him to christ sounds like the most far-fetched thing in our lives but it's not like you guys are super christians no, no. you are just simple obedience divine appointment sort of thing and just obedience to christ and uh, opening your eyes to it because any i mean you know Nothing makes me matter than when my kids want to go to the bathroom at Walmart. You know what I mean? I'm out of I'm in there, I'm out of there, I'm ready to Especially go. Especially with a full buggy. Yeah, with a full buggy, but then but but just simple obedience and praying that day. Yeah. yeah. Right? Leads you to God used you. You know what yeah. I mean? I think it's so obvious. To me what's beautiful about stories like that is it wasn't like you were out there with a megaphone in the Walmart parking lot. It's just simple you were there and God gave you the opportunity, you know, and the Lord did it. Yeah, yeah the Lord did it.
2: I think inviting people into your home is one of the best things you can do. I think that is one of the best and most important things you can do is inviting people into your home hmm. to have a meal. Um, you know, I think about my life and people that I've known and worked with and for years, and I have never shared a meal with them at my home. And these are people that I would have called my friends. And I think that is one of the things that God has taught us is inviting people into our home to eat with them. there is just something about sitting around a table that God uses to draw people together and it draws out spiritual conversations mm. because one the thing about our conversation with this family is that it wasn't we didn't go into a gospel presentation or have some kind of like script script memorized literally i think i said so i think you i see you've been coming to church are you you know are you a follower are you a follower of jesus and then she just like took the conversation and ran right you know what i mean it's like one of those things it just happens people feel comfortable um and so it doesn't have to be that we meet a stranger somewhere and share the gospel right in that moment. It's people we know we need to invite them into our homes. Um, our homes are not our castles. Our homes are, are gifts that God has given us to be used for His glory and His mission. And as followers of Jesus, we have to start viewing our, our homes that way in our tables so that when we look around our house, our, our most prized possession in our home is our table because we think about the conversations that we've had and how we've read our Bible with our fellow church members and with our friends around that table. And we've seen God do awesome stuff. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things that God's been teaching us from our time in London through our time in Andalusia is having people enter our home um, is one of the most, um, one of the things that God uses more than anything else. And your home doesn't have to be perfectly clean, it doesn't have to be huge. God just. Inviting people into your home, God uses in mighty ways.
0: What's your favorite resource on that? Do you have one you'd recommend?
2: Rosario Butterfield. The gospel comes with a house key. It's new, right? It's It's pretty new. It's awesome.
0: And Rosario Butterfield, if you don't know, is a gift to the church. Uh, She's one of those people that you would never, if you just imagine someone who would eventually come to Christ. Uh, She was an, uh, an active lesbian and a queer theory professor at a college. And basically, through hospitality of Christians, became a believer, now married with a family, and believes the gospel's true, and has written this book on gospel-centered hospitality. I've not read it yet, but I thought that might be what you recommended. So, The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield might be a good a good book for you to look at. Well, let's shift gears just a little bit, because um, you can't have... You know, we, let's, let's, let's go into the, like, old-school slide projector-style missionary talk for just a minute, because... That's, you know, we do want to be on mission, but there is a sense in which you guys do have a a unique calling. I don't want to short sell it to the point you're going to be vocational missionaries. And so what was the process like? I think this is something everybody's going to find fascinating. What's the process like to become a missionary with the IMB?
2: So I believe we contacted the IMB getting close now to a year and a half ago, I would say. Um, and that has been a short process, a year and a half, to get to where we are right now. It uh, begins just with a contacting them, saying you're interested, and they send in some questions.
0: Did your two plus two experience factor in to it being a little quicker for you, the fact that they, you had, Prob- had a successful Probably run? had
2: some, so, but yes. But we're talking usually, yeah, three to four years process mm. for most people. Um, and it is the most intense thing that you can imagine. Um, multiple interviews, Um, multiple hours of interviews, asking every question that you could possibly um, ask about yourself. Um, You have to write, one of the things we have to do is write a ten page autobiography of your life with specific things about your life included. Um, In that autobiography um, medical questionnaires, like hours of medical questionnaires for each of us including our children, uh, making sure going to the doctor, getting physicals, Uh, trying to think I mean, traveling to Virginia to, for more interviews, coming back. Just, just an intense process that the IMB puts um, their applicants through. And, it, I mean, and it, sometimes it seems tedious, but you see the need for it. Uh, the IMB is taking a—and Southern Baptist, you are taking a great investment in your missionaries. I mean, the IMB wants to use your money well so it's not that we walk up somebody walks up to imb and says i feel called to be a missionary and then next week they're on the field
0: we'll take anybody we can get that's yeah, right no bad, there is
2: no. a great demand and, and and i don't want to say the majority of people who apply get turned away but a lot of people get turned away uh, for multiple reasons and not for bad reasons for for reasons that they want to guard and steward um the giving that's been given to them well and um and so we view that as a great grace that God has shown us to be able to come through this and let us be healthy and our kids be healthy and just to move through the process well um, and quickly. Um, and so it's a very, very intense, invasive, invasive process. Um,
1: and I would say physically and mentally, but also spiritually. Yeah. Because life is still going on and not many people, sometimes people don't know that you're going through that right. process. And so... Um, it can be, you know, very, your prayer life is hit and, and you're just. Well,
0: and the people that did know are like, I mean, I knew, mm-hmm. but the, all we're doing is texting. I mean, texting, maybe we get to talk about every once in a while or something, you know, but but that's one thing we talk about in this, and it's even harder on missionaries. Just one, one more prayer point I want you to think through for these folks is, you know, the people we meet in college, people we meet in seminary become some of your closest friends, then you all move away from each other and work on the weekends and you can't see each other and spend time with one another. So the people that are most likely to understand what you're going through, you know, and the people that are probably your closest prayer partners are the people you can't see, you know. And for y'all, you're serving actively in a local church and you don't want to undercut your ministry there. So, yeah, I can, I can imagine those are big challenges. Or actually, um, I think one thing you guys have told me is one of the biggest questions they get are, is are you taking your kids and uh <laughs> and the answer to that is yes just in case everybody's wondering they are taking their kids and uh and so but I think that question betrays what a lot of people think about which is this is I understand like for 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 the husband or the the man or whatever like he's he's it's easier it seems in a lot of people's minds on y'all than it is on the kids you know what I mean and it's especially hard I think on moms because you have that gift of God to nurture and to care for your kids. And so as a mom I, and, and as a woman, like, what are some of the unique challenges for you as you prepare um, to be a missionary, certainly, but also to, to, to be a mom on the field?
1: Yeah, I think from the very beginning, even back to where we were going to London, I always viewed that I was just as much a missionary as Lee was. Like, you know what I mean? The IMB doesn't call just a husband they call a family yeah and so um, I think going with that really helped me not sit on the sideline or kind of view it as all right baby well you have a good day but you know this was all right we're going out today where we're, we're going to pray like so it was a, and if you know Laura Ashley thing. that's
0: not hard for her either you're kind of a go-getter anyway so yeah knowing you for a long time so
1: but I think this time around um, Holland Grace is seven and, and James is two and we've been homeschooling the past couple of years and so just um just a real like honest challenge is I, I will no longer be their primary teacher um, you know they'll go into I'm entrusting them to the Dutch public school system <laughs> where they will walk in she'll walk Holland grace will walk in on January 7th to a first grade classroom where no one speaks English and I think a big part of me um, letting my guard down is, and is realizing that God loves them more than I do mm. and this has always been his plan for them too. He knew that they would be called to live in Belgium and love the people of Belgium too. and I think a big thing for our daughter is we have you know we pray for our children's salvation. but one of the big things that we've seen God God's faithfulness in this past year is she trusted in Jesus and was baptized on Easter Sunday. and so knowing that, you know, our oldest is walking into that schoolroom or walking onto that playground, and she might feel alone. And every part of like my mama instinct is going to be like, to want to be there with her and Are you okay? And just you know, being her cheerleader. But um, but she has the Holy Spirit with her, mm. and so he's way more powerful (laughs) (laughs) and a better cheerleader than I could ever be. And so I think just entrusting them into God's care and trusting that God's plan for them is better than I could ever imagine. And I think just as a, um, I guess just as a wife and as a mom, is uh, we tend to see things from about 15 different angles and all at the same time. (laughs) And so... Not being overwhelmed, but staying focused on the mission before me. Um, whether that mission that day is okay, I'm going to get my kids dressed and we're going to get to school on time and, and we're just going to love the people we pass and you know, we're going to come home and get food on the table because some days will look like that. Like, mm-hmm. some days might not look like me because I don't speak the language yet, so that <laughs> some days yeah. might not look like us being overtly and sharing the gospel, but just um being careful in how I live my life in a manner worthy of the gospel in front of our kids and in front of Lee to encourage and support and, and honor him
0: hmm. Lee how are you kind of preparing to lead your family on the field
2: I mean I think a big part of it is really just spend, making sure that I'm seeking after the Lord daily and spending time in his word and praying and preparing my heart and mind um, I mean, we—you hear this, like pastors, the pastor saying—I can't remember his name—is Machin who says that the greatest thing that a pastor can give um, his church is his personal holiness. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also true of a father or husband and his family. That the greatest thing I can give my family is my own personal holiness, and that I can love them well in that way. So that's right now, and just just continue to encourage and. Um, remind Holland Grace of truth. One of the things that we don't—we're not great at, but we're trying to get better at, and trying to do a better job—is spending time daily um, with our children in God's Word and teaching them and guiding them in that way, um, and just reminding Holland Grace of the great need that there is, and how this is a great privilege that God has given us um, to go and serve Him. Because I mean, James is along for the ride. Yeah, he doesn't know. You know, he—he ain't, he ain't gonna know nothing. He wouldn't know if y'all
0: went to the moon. That's right. Yeah, he doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> what about Holland Grace, though? How has she reacted to the news of moving and that kind of thing?
2: I mean, I think for the most part she's been really, she's really excited. I mean, there are things that she thinks about friends and family and that hits her every once in a while and the realness of saying bye for a little while. Um, but at the same time, I think like Laura, she's saying that um, her trusting in Jesus and seeing the need and seeing that this is God, God also leading her um, overseas. She's she's doing well. I'm really excited. Next week, we're actually, well, Tuesday, we're leaving. We're flying out to go to London for a couple of days and also go to Ghent, and um, they're going along with us, and we're really excited about them um, getting to see this and make it real for her.
1: Because I would, I mean, kids are a great buffer zone. You know, like, <laughs> they they're great to have with you yeah. Anytime, but especially when you're you're on mission and you're living in another world yeah. and you know another culture because I mean they're gonna be like, Oh, they're so cute.
0: Kids don't need language. <laughs> they don't either to yeah, get along, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like our kids, you'd think you know, after one weekend my kids are writing love letters to to <laughs> theirs and I mean, you know, you'd think they've been friends for decades. Excellent. You know what I mean? And so I think that I think you're right that kids speak love. In ways we can't sometimes.
2: One more thing that the IMB and and y'all your Southern Baptist giving does for your missionaries is it allows us to go to Richmond for two months for some training, um, which we'll be heading there at the end of October. Um, but during that time, there's a time of training also for the kids. Hmm. So every day, Holland Grace and, and James, but specifically Holland Grace, we go into a class with other kids her age, and we'll be taught on things like um, how to. Um, what to do with food when it's something different, how to eat it and how to respond if they don't like food or, or how to make friends um, when you don't speak the same language and hmm. all these kinds of things. They're helping our kids prepare for that um, because they know if our kids aren't doing well when we get there, then we are not going to do well um, when we get there. So that's a great thing that um, the IMB does that happens because of cooperative program Lottie Moon Giving.
0: What does a mission? What will you do? And Laura actually gave me this question. I'm sorry. But, you know, what will you do? That's something they say a lot of people ask them, and I think that's something we all wonder sometimes. But I do think this gives us a clue into how can we be missional in our own lives as well. So what will, a, what will 30 days divided by 30 look like? You know, it's an average day?
2: So at the beginning, for the first year and a half, we will be in full-time language school um, learning Flemish Dutch. So that will be, the, what will be dominating our time. Um, is being in school, learning the language, practicing the language um, in order for the goal is to share the gospel. And that's something as we think about that time, that year and a half of doing that, um, it's, it's a lot. Um, and But what we have to remind ourselves to keep us pushing is that the goal is so that we can tell the good news of the gospel to people. So that will be a dominating thing is learning language um, so that we can be fruitful in ministry at the beginning. But as time goes on, there's a There's a couple churches already there in in Belgium, small Baptist churches, I think 15 to 20 people probably on a Sunday morning. Um, One that was actually planted through some IMB missionaries in the past. And we'll be partnering with those churches with the goal of helping them reach their communities and make disciples and also planting new churches. So a lot of it's going to be um, building relationships with churches, working with church members, but also just going in, going to different places in the community and meeting people and sharing the gospel, getting involved with things in the community to make relationships. I've been mean, really, um, during this time, really learning our language and falling in love with our city and our people, which will be Gintians, as they call themselves. And so um, a day might look like for me, um, getting up in the morning, studying language, going to a, a coffee shop, and trying to meet people, or going um, into a market and meeting people as we're eating and things like that, and having conversation and relationship with people.
1: Yeah, and like cooking and cleaning, <laughs> but just um, you know, getting the <laughs> um, getting the kids to school and meeting other moms and dads in the drop-off line and uh, loving their teachers well. And, like Lee said, looking for ways where God is already moving, like where God, where we see the Holy Spirit active and just jumping in on it as gracefully as we can. And, you know, um, just normal, I think just normal kind of mundane stuff of going to the store, but just being intentional. Of if I see the same person that checks me out, be intentional to go back to that person and form a relationship with her or him and um just little, looking for little ways like that to be intentional. And our
2: daughter, Holland Grace, she loves sports and just trying to get her plugged into some kind of like soccer or something as soon as we get there um, in order for her to build relationships, but also for us. Hmm. Um, because they're great for her, but they're also great for us to meet people. Um, and so as outsiders, it's just like what I said, that word intentional, being intentional, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a glamorous work, um, and it's also not a short work. This is a long-term work Mm. in Belgium. We're going to see God um, make. We're going to see disciples made in churches planted. This is a long-term work um, that God's got to do in people's hearts. Mm.
0: Mm. Well, I think it's clear to all of us here that if you don't have that vision we talked about of the glory of God, um, well, what we said earlier is if, if Jesus isn't who He says He is, missions is dumb. It's dumb and probably immoral, right? To just why go mess with people's lives? Leave them alone. If Jesus isn't Lord of all creation, but but He is, right? And He's He died for their sins. And without the good news of Jesus, you know, they're destined for hell. And and we have the opportunity to go tell them. So you, I think you can see, uh, you can't spend more than five minutes with Leland Ashley without recognizing they could do something else if they wanted to. Uh, they they didn't just sit around and say, "I guess we'll have to be missionaries." You know, they could find something else to do. No. These are people who have been gripped by the gospel and being moved toward this and who do this when they're not in Belgium or not in London, right? And so I want us to remember that. And I, I want to put, I, I love putting them in front of you because I, I want you to see faces and see the, those of us who have who've grown up here in Alabama or who have raised kids here in Alabama. They're us. They're us. Laura from Andalusia, Lee's from Montgomery, and... Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're us you know uh, they're 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 living similar lives to the ones that we've always lived what I mean by that is you know God doesn't cut missionaries out of some sort of missionary mold somewhere he didn't drop them down out of heaven uh, but what he does is he helps them see the need for the gospel and sends them all over the place so we you see what they've been through see what they're going to go through the difficulties and it's not all difficulties you know but at the same time uh, you can see then. None of us here are sitting and thinking, "Well, that sounds fun." You know, you know, medical questionnaires—that sounds awesome. And so, so you see then the way that God's God's moving. We're going to give you opportunities for questions downstairs. But do y'all have anything to? Yeah, yeah close I'll up say, with?
2: one of the things I didn't mention that would definitely be a part is um, of our role and our job is connecting local churches like FBC to the what's happening on the ground in in Ghent. Uh, And partnering with churches like you to to come out and be that shot of energy to what's going on Mm. on the ground. So you coming in, uh, for instance, in 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 Ghent, there's a a festival that happens every July where about two million people come into the city of three thousand people for ten days, and it's basically Mardi Gras. Um, But it's an awesome opportunity for our team in in Ghent to reach out to people by doing things like making crepes and serving coffee to people. Um, and building relationships and, and other opportunities like that um, in, in Ghent. We're over not just dropping in one time, one, one time, one year, but over a year of partnering together, seeing God use that partnership to see Ghent reach for the gospel. And we, we really, our heart is to connect local churches here in the States to that, that mission, because in the past we've seen how God has used that in our lives as an encouragement and also on the field to reach people for the gospel um, in ways that we never could. So that's something that
0: we're really excited about also. Yeah, and, and once again, there is a sign-up sheet downstairs if you're interested in learning more about going on a vision trip uh, to Ghent and probably also to Italy. Uh, once again, we all we all went to Dolphin Way Baptist Church down in Mobile when we were in college, and then um, Lauren Ashley and I both served in that church in different capacities, and then that church kind of sent Lee out down there to be a youth minister at another church and uh, with a guy who had left that church to go pastor there. Um, and then another one of our, after I stopped being the intern there, the guy who was the intern after me named Jake Goforth uh, is, a, is a missionary now in Pescatara Italy. And so out of our little college ministry there, uh, during those days, I added up one day. Uh, Out of the, you know, 50 or 60 students that would have said they were going to church there, uh, we've got at least uh, 25 people out of that group that are serving in some sort of full-time ministry now. So I can remember, I was a college pastor kind of at the the back end of that, the second generation of those folks there. But I can remember uh, on nights like tonight when we would have an event or something, and I would think, what is God doing? You know, I don't think I'm being used at all. You know, I don't think, I think that, and now I look back and I see students who I preach to on Wednesday nights or who I help disciple, who are pastors, who are missionaries, who are pastor's wives, who are chaplains in the military. I mean, we, we you know, we could sit here and list out all kinds of people, uh, girls ministers at, at mega churches. I mean, just all sorts of folks from that time are being used. And so I, I rejoice in that. So I, I want to connect our ministry here to what God's been doing for a long time to a lot of different people and help us get on mission. So you will have a chance to sign up if you're interested and we'll have an interest meeting as it gets a little closer to go in and maybe helping us start build partnerships in Europe. But let me pray for us. What we'll do is we'll go downstairs, get your coffee, get your dessert. Uh, we'll go to the fellowship hall, sit close to the stage so we can hear your questions. And I'm going to give you opportunities to ask Leah and Laura Ashley any questions you want to ask them. They've already had their whole lives Sifted with a fine tooth comb by the IMB, so there's all kinds of questions. You can ask them all kinds of questions. They'll be ready for it. So let me pray, and uh, and we'll we'll go on down and have some fellowship. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We thank you for Lee and Laura Ashley. We thank you for the IMB, and God, what a joy it is to get to be Southern Baptists, and uh, what a privilege it is to get to to fund people uh, who are going. You know, we can't we couldn't fund a full time missionary through our church. We get to fund thousands of full-time missionaries through the cooperative program. So Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for for the Christmas offering as well, Lottie Moon, that goes to fund these things. And God, I pray, I pray that we will overfund missions. God, I pray that there will be a glut of money because we see the great need. And Lord, I pray that you will send us to the mission field. I pray, God, that we will have people from First Baptist Church, and raised up to go reach the nations for Christ. Lord, through the preaching of your word, through the ministry of this church, through what we're trying to accomplish here, God, would you bless that in such a way that we're sending people all over the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.